Do you dream of a job where you can travel the country and help horses? I think you're going to like this episode. We're going to talk with Ashley Starrett, and she is part of the Cowgirl 30 Under 30 program. And in this podcast, we go beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbelt. Let's tack up and head out. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Saddle as we continue to highlight the amazing women of the Cowgirl 30 Under 30 program. Today, I have Ashley Starrett with me here today, and I'm super excited because she has a very in-depth equine industry background and career that you guys are going to love. So without further ado, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Thank you, Kitty, for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. I can't wait until we get to see each other and meet in person for Calgirl 30 Under 30, but this is this will be fun to sort of get into it and understand your background and your career. So can you please tell us what do you do and how did you get there? Yeah, so I'm a horse dentist and I consider myself like a real life tooth fairy, but for horses. And I grew up in an ag family. Both sides of my family were very involved in agriculture. And I originally thought I was going to be a human dentist. So I had started working at a dental office in my hometown when I was 16. And I had rode equestrian for this dentist, like always took lessons out there. And we'd always talked about equine dentistry. And I always thought, oh, okay, like I'll go do that after I go to human dental school. And even like wrote it on paper um, that that was something I was going to do, go get licensed to be an equine dentist. And then I, um, after graduating high school, I went to college and like was pursuing human dentistry, got into a program in Kansas City, and then just had a really, really cool God uh, moment where like, um, kind of a low point in my life, but also like a turning point where God was like, okay, like this is not as specific. This isn't the type of dentistry I'm going to use you at or specifically use you at. I'm going to fine tune that and use you more in something that um, utilizes some of your gifts and talents and um, brings you back to that ag background. And so that was kind of the fine tuning of dentistry. And like in a span of four months, I'd met the owner of the dental school here in Texas, equine dental school, and started kind of pursuing that. I didn't even know if it was gonna work. I didn't know if I um, was gritty enough, if I was strong enough. Um, And so I went to the first school in Canyon, Texas, and was still just really skeptical. I, I liked that like, The dentistry was very familiar. The anatomy was very familiar. The terminology was all there as an overlap with human dentistry, but then kind of just started feeling it out. And I I knew I was going to pursue a doctorate either way. So I didn't know like how that path was going to work, but I just kept um, pursuing it and learning and letting it kind of develop and then yeah now I'm five years in and and have a really nice practice and it's funny how yeah a turning point like saying no to human dental school got me to here and to remind me of my roots and and what I'm good at and what matters to me um, when choosing a career path. Oh my goodness. I just can't even believe that is so amazing that like you really felt God talking to you saying 
hey, you have these skills, but I'm going to fine tune the way you're going to use them. Hang on, sister. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, that was, it was crazy. And it took a lot of really, really close mentors and um, going back on paper and rereading things that, you know, had inspired me to get to that point because I was devastated. I was like, I spent seven years investing in human dentistry and, and just building this resume that was full of um, dental mission work and um, community service hours and all kinds of dental offices all over the Midwest. And then I'm like, what? Like, why are we now <laughs> switching gears and doing you were following that calling though I mean I just that's so perfect that's what you were meant to do and it's amazing to me I'm actually kind of surprised I guess I shouldn't be surprised but a little surprised that there was so much overlap right I mean I guess teeth are teeth right (laughs) between humans and horses yeah there really is and I am such an advocate for oral health affects overall health whether that's humans or horses um what we put in our mouth really does um, affect like the outcome of our overall health. Sure. Yeah. No matter what species you are. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so great. Well, um, as someone who is a horse owner myself and a horse lover, right. And like equine health is, dental health is very important. And we've got, you know, our veterinarians that are coming out and taking care of that. But I got to say, it's few and far between that I've ever heard of, let alone met um, a woman that is in that profession. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that's like for you? Yeah. So when I was first getting started, there was maybe 60, I want to say 64 licensed in the state of Texas, uh, dentist um, that doesn't even you know categorizes male or female like um, so that's that's crazy considering the horse population here um, there is such a need and I think that's what really drew me in as as a woman and really wanting to like impact um, an industry and find a little niche where yeah like I really could be good at that and and some of the things that made me want to pursue it more was just the artsy side behind dentistry and how um, creative and artsy and like having small hands like I really could get in there and and do a really good job and 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 make a mouth fit really really good because I had like an artsy eye for things and then also because being a woman like I didn't want to have like a nine to five job. And that was a big reason why I went from human to horses too, was just wanting a career that really could set me up to work when I want and where I want and be, be home in time to like pick up kids from school once I'm a mom and um, to really just cater to that lifestyle I was wanting. And I guess probably the biggest selling point of my business now is, is the, um, luxury to go and and fly to clients so I fly about twice a month right now um, and that's something I'm good at one of those gifts that I travel really well and um, I can fly in fly out and, and meet a need and spend time with those clients and serve them in their homes at their barns and and the horses are the mediator that's the common entrance for both of us but um is getting to serve them because they love their animals and and this is the care that I provide. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Let's dissect this a little bit. I had no idea that you would be able to just get on an airplane and go travel. Let's talk about your practice. Like what does your practice look like now? And now that I know that you can get on an airplane, like do you travel with your tools? Like how does that even work? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of a big selling point for my business. And a lot of my clients like that they can just fly me in. I'm with them the same weekend every year. I can about tell you in a year's advance, I know like what months I'm in, what states. And so that's kind of how I schedule clients. And there's places I go six months. There's places I go a year. Um, there's places I go every year and a half. And so scheduling wise, I do, I look at a calendar, gosh, so many times a day trying to, to, to figure out how can I get to where I need to be, but also right now be at school and yeah, that kind of each month is a little bit different, but I know, I know enough in advance, like, Hey, I'm going to be in Missouri in April and May and November. And then Texas are March and October. Um, so I kind of like schedule group my clients that way based on where they're located. Sure. Yeah, that makes total sense. Oh my goodness. And what an advantage that you have to be able to do that and plan that out and be there when they need you. Uh, but also to like be across the country. How did you develop these relationships, all of these different places? Oh gosh, I would say that kind of started because I, through college and, and part of my master's, I was working for Ram Rodeo and running the Polaris line for 100X Marketing. And I started to develop relationships and um, I would take my tools with me and I would do horses, you know, at all these rodeos and, and just really started to build a clientele on, a, on the road. And then a lot of it kind of developed more into word of mouth and kind of coming from an ag background, knowing a lot of people in the horse world. And then, yeah, just picking up the phone and calling people. When I was first getting started, I'd call 10 people, you know, just, Hey, do you have any horses you want looked at? You know, it's free to check. I can come out and take a look. So just really starting to, to dig in and, and to find um, clients that, um, wanted to to make sure that their horses were taken good care of and that um, their horses were cleaned up every year and and developing those relationships now it's like family uh, a lot of my clients and we spend a lot of time together you have really cool conversations you get to go to dinner together you see their kids grow up um, so yeah i really i really have an awesome group of clients and i look forward to spending you know time with them and um, they feel like family to me now. Oh my gosh, I'm sure that they do. What a special place to be and what a, you know, spectacular service you provide, but clearly you care. Like I can feel just in the way you're talking about how much you genuinely care about not only your clients, but their horses. Yeah, I think that kind of came with coming more on the research side of things and and really diving deep into nutrition. And I've done previous work in digestion studies and and just really knowing that um, I can set up a mouth really well to to make sure it reaches that full digestion potential and um, that it can break down its nutrients on the tables of the mouths really well and and that you know I can guarantee in six to eight weeks you're going to be either reaching those goals of putting weight on or, or getting a more fit horse and um, 
So I think that came with just the experience and seeing the results in the lab and, and, and being confident and knowing that like the dentistry works. Um, it's just making people believer of it and, and letting them see the results um, after, after doing routine care. I like what you said earlier too about like the artistry of it. And to be honest, I had never <laughs> considered equine dental care uh, to be a form of art until I hear you talk about it. And yeah. to hear you explain it, it is an art and it is a science that you have wrapped up together into your passion. Yeah. So we laugh all the time in our industry that, I mean, the dentistry part's the easy part. You can perfect it. You can put your style on it. I can... I can follow some other dentist's work and know exactly who it is because of how they approach the mouth or, you know, a little detail work that they're putting on the corners of the teeth or the bit seats, or um, I can look in there and about know whose work I'm following or, um, or recognize my own work. That's even more fun. I had one in December. Uh, it was a horse I hadn't seen in about two years um, in Hawaii and I go oh my gosh this looks like my work and and I'm laughing the lady had bought the horse from a previous client and I'd done it two years ago and it just it makes you really proud to know that's that's your work and you can recognize it and um, yeah so the artistry the art stuff um, yeah that's just kind of your style and stuff I mean you everybody approaches the mouth the same way but then the detail works yeah, you can tell each other apart from the detail work behind it. Rewind just a moment. Did you say Hawaii? Do you work yeah. on horses in Hawaii? <laughs> oh, did I slide that in there? I fly there too, yeah. Um, oh and, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. i fortunate um, kind of in between. I had just finished my master's and uh, was applying to PhD programs and none of which were vet schools at the time. And I just really was sold out on, on doing my research in a vet school, considering what my, what I want to do in the future and, and knowing I wanted to collab with some veterinarians. And I, <laughs> my mom had went with me. We'd kind of been networking in Hawaii because we'd, we'd been going there for, gosh, I think it's 14 years now. And as a family and I had always said I wanted to live there absolutely love the islands kind of a water baby myself like just love to surf and stuff and um my mom had went with me we'd booked out I don't know 60 some horses for November when we first started going a couple of years ago and to do teeth uh, not to like vacay <laughs> and uh, my mom like during the the time that we were there and working, she's like, I really think you can make it, you make your practice work here. Like if you wanted to move here and, and kind of that waiting season of getting into a PhD, why don't you just come live here? You've always talked about it. You've always wanted to do it. Um, you can make a living doing it. Um, it was pretty, I guess, obvious that I could do it. I could make it work. And for my mom to say, hey, you should you should go, you should do that. And that they were okay with that and gonna support that. That was really cool. And so, yeah, I spent, um, I got to live there 10 months. It was a fast 10 months, but I just really built a clientele, getting to know the locals and hanging out with the locals and um, seeing what the needs were in the island. So I would fly, gosh, weekly would just be inner island stuff. You can catch a little, 35 minute plane between islands or an hour, you know, like 
super short flights, fly in same day, you know, take care of some and then fly home that night. And so that's what I was doing and and still just kind of waiting on that season for when I would get to do a doctorate. And I also knew like COVID had happened and they'd kind of closed some of the funding for research. And so I was just praying for like the right timing, the right faculty, the right mentorship um, for me to kind of slide into a position like that. And in the meantime, I was just having a heyday, like floating horses and living in Hawaii and and um, getting to serve people really well and and perfect my art of dentistry. And and now I'm five years in as a dentist and finally getting to pursue a PhD that I think that is comforting knowing that like maybe God let me, you know, really perfect that art. So then now it it makes what I'm doing makes more sense what I'm doing right now with, with the studies I'm working on and in that, yeah, like, uh, I, I spent some time in the field, like how important that is, um, to get out there and, and do practical, um, work. And so now I feel equipped. I feel like I can really work on some really cool studies and get some get some more stuff out and riding and hopefully educate some more people. So yeah, Hawaii was, Hawaii was great. It was a great season. What an experience. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Okay. I'm going to yes. ask a somewhat technical question because I'm not an equine dentist. <laughs> so Ooh. forgive me. Uh, but it, it occurs to me or it would seem from here that the needs, especially nutritionally of horses living in Hawaii are quite different than those who live in Texas and Missouri yeah. and anywhere else. Like, does that, translate through into your work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just visiting with a client yesterday. Hawaii, like now since I'm in school, those clients are all in December. So I was just with them for the month of December. And and one of them called me yesterday and said, you know, hey, like this is what I got. Like, so I, I was fortunate, like could refer them to a vet who's actually from the same school here that I'm at that's also working on the island. But the need I think that we see the most there is certain areas are really dry right now. And having good access to turnout is sometimes a challenge. Having access to feed, oh my gosh, I can't express how important that is um, and how much of a need that is because the limitations of getting stuff to them is is quite extreme what they're given for a bale of hay or a square bale, 50 pound square bale of hay would about make you sick compared to what we give in the Midwest. Um, so just the scarcity of, of feed and, and good quality hay, um, that's something that they lack. The terrain there is way different too. I, gosh, I had to fly a generator over there because there wasn't electricity. Like a lot of the places I was going was, you know, off the grid or they didn't have any water or any power so we'd be walking horses down the road just to string them underneath somebody's um deck or find a a source of power and and so yeah there are a lot of limitations on the islands and and definitely a need for dentistry there's a lot of horses but i guess that's that's (laughs) why i go (laughs) right they need you it sounds like challenges at every turn (laughs) 
Yeah. You mentioned too, um, that you were published and that you do some writing. So I definitely want to talk about that. It sounds like you're a three-time published equine researcher and an author of a children's book. Tell me more. <laughs> I guess I don't talk about, about that very much because, um, that's one of those gifts that you're like, why am I a good writer? Like why? Or I, I don't want to think I'm a good writer, but like, why all the time, like God is having me write and like put my thoughts in the words and like, it just keeps coming around. That's probably why I went the PhD route and not the DBM or DDS route, but um, just cause of the gift of writing. And um, yeah, actually it's, it's four. We just published another one in December the Journal of Equine Veterinary Science, um, me and my research team from uh, my master's, we finished and published um, a fecal particle size study that was um, a follow-up of my dental study that I did um, for Sam Houston State. So I'm very proud of that. We're actually going to cite those methods and, and use that in the study that I'm working on for my doctorate. Um, so I was very proud to push through. I'd always heard rumors that you don't get into a PhD program without being published to a major journal like that. And then I got in and, and no publication till December. I was like, whoa, like this is crazy, but it's a good feeling. Um, I am working on some more research right now that you have to publish um, to to kind of finish out here with school, that's a requirement. Um, those are journals, so those are scientific journals. Yeah, it's a whole different world. I, I guess, um, like a lot of the research has to be peer reviewed, and um, mm -hmm. the children's book was was uh, really hard compared to that. I feel like um, <laughs> learning to learning to rhyme and um, you know, put phrases together and stuff. That was such a challenge for me um, compared to the research, writing scientifically and stuff. That's that's a whole different world. So yeah, it's been a good challenge, but also like kind of reaching back and, and grabbing some gifts that I know that I'm good at, but they are challenging. Wow, I can't even imagine putting on those two different hats, writing on the research side and writing a children's book. What What's your children's book about? Um, so it's called A Tale of the Horse Tooth Fairy. And oh my gosh, of course it is. So cute. <laughs> yeah, it's um, all the places that the tooth fairy goes to provide dentistry for people. And um, every page talks about some place that I've done teeth. Um, which is really cool um, to think and look back on. On some, I've done teeth in some really crazy places, so that talks about that, and also um, the importance of of taking care of your horse and and educating others on the importance of dentistry, and um, also sharing a little bit about careers in the equine field. So you can find it um, at Amazon. You can find it at um, Rusty's Remuda. That's the gal that I had help co-write that and they market it for me. Her name's Mary Fitchner and her daughter Rosalind did the illustrations. Couldn't be more happy with how it turned out. Um, and 
and happy that they are carrying it for me and taking it to shows and selling it. So super proud of that. That was kind of my project after finishing my master's and 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 needing something to devote my my attention to and you coming off of a, a workload like that, like you feel like you can conquer the world. And that was that was a project I needed to to kill some energy on. So I, I was very pleased with how it turned out. I cannot wait to go find it and see it. I'm gonna buy it for my nieces and read it to them. I can't wait. <laughs> I, can, I can bring you some to when we meet in Fort Worth because I carry a box in my car. Oh my gosh, I was literally just thinking how fun would that be for all of the Cowgirl 30 Under 30 gals to get a copy to support yeah. you and like celebrate how fun that is because everybody's got, you know, kids in their life and if not, like they're going to someday and how fun would it be to have that book? You should bring it. Yeah, that would be so cool. I I will have it. I'm, I don't go anywhere without books in my car, so. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I also want to talk about um, like professional development. And I think it's so important in the equine space. Like we as women are sort of paving, paving and shaping the world of what it means to be, you know, an equine leadership and, and business. Um, and I love this quote, you know, this topic that you put down and you said, being a doer means that you have to do the things. So living out those dreams that you write down. And I think you've talked a lot about so many of the ways that you've done that already. I mean, you're just amazing. You're, you know, 27 mm -hmm. years old and you've done so many things and gone so many places, but can you just talk about like what that means to you? Like what, how do you manifest doing the things that you dream about? Yeah, I grew up kind of knowing that if there's something you wanted to do, you put it on paper and you're more likely to do it. And so I'd always kept just a running bucket list, to-do list, and I'd add things. And I, every now and then I still get out that list and I put dates by it. Uh, one of my mentors is like, let's start dating stuff. Let's start tracking when God's answering those prayers. And um, the doer part, man, I can't express how important it is to start talking about it and and start telling people what you want to do because the first time you tell somebody what you want to do there is nothing more um nothing more loving than in seeing somebody say hey what you want to do where are you going how can I help and you start talking about the things that you want to do and they're like yeah let's make that happen hey I know so and so like I can help I can you need somewhere to stay or we can help get you there like um, that was a game changer for my career and, and for all the places I've gotten to go and making those things happen was just talking about it and and really um, instilling it into my life that like I'm a dreamer so I can dream up some pretty crazy stuff and once I start sharing that and talking about it and and putting it before my mentors and and asking advice and that's when things really start to move and shake and um, I don't share this very much anymore, but during um, COVID, I did a house tour and a lot of those people on the house tour really helped um, or the, the way they spoke love to me the most was like, hey, like, how can we help? What are you doing? You know, like, where are you going? What you want to do? And to me, that spoke more love than anything when I started saying, okay, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. This is what I'm thinking or 
hey, what do you think of this? And and that's when things really started to happen. Um, and, and, and nothing big, like small things, just to meet those big goals or to get you down the road where you want to go. Um, so just the importance of, of writing it down, but also then sharing those things that you want to do. That's that's how you achieve goals. And, and, and that's how you also incorporate bringing other people alongside and, and letting them be a part of your story and a part of your ministry. And because um, you always want to, you don't want to limit yourself. You want to allow others in and, and to be a part of something really good. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that you've taken it the next step, right? Like I think a lot of us might keep those lists of like, man, these dreams, you know, this bucket list, like whatever you want to call it, but taking it that next step of inviting people to the conversation, talking about it, right. Getting yourself excited about it. Like, and maybe yeah. hearing it out loud will inspire you to think of it in a different way. I think that's so important to take that next step. And I'm so glad that you came on to like talk about it because you are the manifestation of that. Like, look where it's taken you already just by talking about it, believing in it, doing it, writing it down and like taking the next step. Yeah, it's been it's so enjoyable and so rewarding to to see, to look back. Um, and now I think about, I kind of in the opposite role, I was just working with um, kind of a, a gal that was 10 years younger than me. And I was starting to think, oh man, like the wheels are turning, like, <laughs> Um, but the reverse of that and just, Hey, like, how can I help? Where, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And so just return in that favor and, and really helping, um, mentor some girls coming up in, in dentistry and, and teaching them, you know, to get creative of how you run your business and how you kind of cultivate good clients and, um, how you kind of get the, the wheels turning on a really good business, but have a niche to what's going to be your selling point. Are you going to, you know, are you going to do the airplane thing? Are you going to, you going to work in a 90, 90 mile radius around your house? Like how, what's going to be your niche to, to serving people and doing it well? Yeah. How do you differentiate? I love that you're already thinking about the next generation and how you can have these conversations and help them, you know, get a leg up. I mean, I think that's something really powerful about women in our industry is that we are so aware. And I've, I have just found this over and over that we are there to give each other that help and that advice and that open door. And it is amazing if you're willing to look for it because people like Ashley are out there doing it already and you're already so young and you're already looking to that next generation. That's just gives me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. I think there's been a lot of people that have done that for me. So why, why wouldn't I return the favor and invest in the youth? And um, I'm a firm believer in, you know, doing things at a young age and, and doing big things at a young age. Like you don't have to be all figured out or all educated out like you can you can start doing things while you're young and we need a lot more of those kind of people that are get the ball rolling when they're younger and inspired and and dreaming for sure <laughs> <laughs> yes 
<laughs> dreaming those dreams. Well, yeah. the, I mean, the younger generation is so important, but you know, even just your peers, I'm so excited for our cowgirl 30 under 30 group to get together because in my experience so far in these super wonderful conversations I've been blessed to have is that we're all here to hear each other's stories and cheer each other on and just, you know, make space, you know, open that door for those conversations. Let's talk about our dreams. Let's talk about our visions for the industry and how can we come together as like this little unit, you know, to to kind of support that vision going forward. Absolutely. I am such a big cheerleader for, I've got some amazing friends doing, you know, just equally as cool stuff, you know, and, and I'm a hundred percent behind them and support them. Whether I get to see them once or twice a year, I'm um, always talking about them, always sharing what they're doing. And um, I fully support that. Ashley, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us, talking to us about your career. Um, the horses that you work with are very lucky to have you <laughs> in their sphere. And I just can't wait to meet you. Oh, I'm excited. It's going to be so much fun. We have a lot of celebrating to do for sure. Yes, so much celebrating to just toast where we've come and where we're headed. That's exciting. I can't wait. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for riding along in this episode of Beyond the Saddle with Ashley Starrett. Tune in for more episodes with Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30.